We're going to continue in our teaching this morning in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to go ahead and grab a Bible and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, or you can watch the screen. This morning I'm going to be covering verses 24 through 27. Our text this morning says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. We need to recognize that in order to achieve what we want the most, it is going to require a great measure of discipline on our parts. It's going to require us to be disciplined. Perhaps the reason that we do not have what we want the most could be due to a lack of self-control. Self-control is the main point here that, that the Apostle Paul is making. And we must be willing to give up something that, uh, that we want short-term in order to gain or achieve something that we want in the long-term. Something that we want or need even more. And I know we all have these so-called desires and even these short-term wants that, and, and, and we may even recognize that they may have very limited value in our lives. So at times we are willing to give up those desires in order to gain something that we really truly want and need. Maybe for some of us, maybe a goal is to lose weight. And to do so, it's going to require us to, you know, give up certain comfort foods and maybe even practice a certain exercise routine. Or maybe we would like to achieve something. To achieve something greater than ourselves or to learn something. To learn something new. Or maybe perhaps to become skilled in something. Skilled in something different. To better our skills. Are we recognizing that, that what we want to achieve is going to require time, lots of energy, and lots of commitment? Are we willing to give up something short-term in order to gain something that will last long-term? What Paul is teaching the, um, and the Christians in the city of Corinth is true in any pursuit and Paul uses the illustration of sports. However, we must not lose sight of the end goal as Christians. We all have an end goal. And that end goal is an imperishable prize that only Jesus can satisfy. The imperishable prize of Christ. And it may come to a surprise to some of us this, this morning that um, sporting events were huge in Paul's day just like they are today. 
mean, how many of us observed, participated, or did something in in a sports-related event this past week? Well, sports were big back then, too. This was especially meaningful to the city of Corinth because, you see, the city of Corinth was the center of the Ishmaean Games. And back in Paul's day, those were only second to, to the ancient Olympics. So it was a big deal back then. And Paul even uses figures from arena competitions, and this includes runners, boxers, gladiators, chariot racers. And he even mentions things like wreaths and trophies. So if we desire to have a deeper relationship with Jesus and to achieve an eternal crown or wreath, we must be willing to give up things along the way. There's some things that um, that we may need to give up. And it is going to require us to give up perishable worldly desires in order to gain that imperishable prize of Christ that, uh, that we're desiring even more. And Paul tells us to train and compete as athletes who really want to win. To compete as an athlete, one must be temperate. An athlete has to be temperate. This term refers to, to also to the manner in which um, Greek and Roman athletes would, would have to train for 10 months before even being allowed to come to their certain games or to even compete in the first place. You see, athletes m- must be willing to refuse things that, you know, are all fine and dandy in and of themselves, but they may hinder their, their pursuit and their goal. They could provide a hindrance to them. And if so, you see, the Corinthian people were being instructed by Paul that they too must refuse things that, you know, could be all fine and dandy in and of themselves, but, but they may hinder their pursuit of, of the most important goal, the imperishable wreath, a heavenly wo- a reward that will never pass away, something truly imperishable. So how do we obtain this so-called imperishable wreath that the Apostle Paul is talking about? How do we earn it? What's the Apostle uh, Paul talking about here? How do we reach the level of self-control that is needed to obtain it? This morning I'm going to discuss three strategies. Three strategies for us to strengthen our relationship with, with Jesus. That will help us to broaden our focus and help us to better understand what it truly means to run the race of life. The first strategy this morning that will strengthen our relationship with Jesus is first, our relationship with Christ must be pursued. The prize that we want the most, Paul is teaching us, it must be pursued. In other words, we have to chase it. That is what pursue means, to chase. Verse 24 says again, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. I'm wondering if the Apostle Paul is insinuating that, um, that there could be some people who begin the race without having a true saving faith. Maybe 
beginning their race without having a true belief. Sounds like the Apostle Paul is giving the Corinthian people and, and us this morning a very strong suggestion of how important it is to truly pursue our relationship with Jesus. Not just a little bit so that we may feel comfortable, but, but, but so we feel is just enough, but so that we have Christ in abundance. You see, he, he does not want us to settle for just a little bit. He wants, to ha- he wants us to have Christ in abundance. And that's what Jesus wants for us too. Sounds like the Apostle Paul is strongly encouraging us to live the lifestyle that is in accordance with our faith. To live a lifestyle that mirrors our faith. When I think of the word pursue or pursuing, I think of wolves. Wolves live and hunt in packs. And they are known to cover very large distances. Did you know that a wolf pack can cover 12 and a half miles in a single day? That's quite a bit of territory. And wolf packs in the far north often travel hundreds of kilometers each year as they follow and track the migrating herds. And wolves are not particularly fast. They, uh, well, compared to us, they are. But, but they top out at uh, 28 miles an hour. That's about how fast a wolf can run. And, but instead of relying so heavily on their speed, they rely more on their hearing and their sense of smell as they're tracking their inquiry. And wolves have excellent powers of endurance. They're very dedicated and, and enduring animals, and they are known to follow their target all day and all night if necessary. Wow, talk about pursuing your food source. Shouldn't we as Christians just be just as dedicated in following our spiritual food source? So what is Paul telling us to do? He's telling us to run so we may obtain it. To do that, we are going to have to live in such a way to obtain it. We're going to have to live that lifestyle and to reorganize our lifestyles. We must orient our lives, giving our lives to the pursuing of our relationship with Jesus. We will not succeed by just altering our lives just a little bit or only when we feel like it. It's not going to happen. It's not enough. So how do we do this? You're probably saying, well, Adam, that's easier, I mean, that's easier said than done. I agree. How do we do this? What does it mean to stay on course in the midst of all of our stumbling, faulting, and all the, and all the mistakes that we make? Notice I'm saying we because I'm including myself in this. How are we to pursue our relationship with Christ when we are not perfect and we are so easily distracted? And sometimes we feel that that we don't have the energy or the strength to continue. Our relationship with Christ, it must be pursued. We must chase after it. But that leads us to our second strategy. Strategy. The second strategy this morning that will strengthen our relationship with Jesus is our relationship with Christ must be persistent. It's got to be persistent. Verse 25 in our text says, 
every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Even if we don't follow sports or have the slightest interest in sports, I bet we can all have a good idea of what athletes put themselves through, what they go through. And this is not a new concept at all. This is not a new concept. This isn't something that, that athletes in the ancient world used to do that we no longer do. And if anything, this point is actually strengthened by extreme lengths because times have definitely changed. And athletes will go through and put themselves through great lengths to be the best at what they do, to succeed in competition, to be the, to, uh, to be the best. And as far as athletes' lifestyles go, every part of their lives, from sleeping to everything they eat to what they drink, how they train and how they rest and, and how they spend their leisure time to what they're doing to prepare them for competing in the first place, it's all a daily routine. It's all a daily routine. Their schedule is laid out before them. Every part of their lives are scripted so they can exercise self-control towards winning the prize that they are persistently pursuing. Of the University of Michigan, the late Paul Hunsicker, he decided he was going to do a big test. He was going to find out. He was going to discover the answer. What is the toughest sport? So he, so there at the University of Michigan, he, he did his homework. He did all the tests he could do. And he took 41 physical activities. And, and, and he used these seven areas. He used coordination, endurance, flexibility, agility, balance, intelligence, and creativity. Of all 41 activities, guess what was the toughest one? The toughest activity was ballet. And I'm getting a grin out of several of you because you know what he's talking about. But ballet was the toughest activity. You know, and all this is understandable and, and, and clear enough for athletes. All this is understandable, but how do we apply this to our daily lives? What does this have to do with us? How do we as Christians use this to, uh, to become more persistent with, with our relationships with Jesus? Because you see, being persistent comes down to having self-control. There's that word again, self-control. And we've even covered this before. John covered this in chapter 7 when he taught about singleness and marriage. And let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 uh, just for a minute. In verses 8 and 9 it says, To the unmarried and widows I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. For Christians, real self-control comes from the inside out. It starts here. Real self-control is acting appropriately. It is the supernatural grace of God that transforms us from the inside out. Transforms us. 
Jesus transforms us into something different. In Galatians 5, verse 22 through 24, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, this is what God does in us through the Holy Spirit. This is what he does in us. Being a Christian means that we are to change. And we might even talk less about being self-controlled and talk more about being spirit-controlled. And it's not the power within us, but rather it is God's power in us. And I'm sure that we can all admit that we as humans are always under the influence of something or somebody. What influences us? Who influences us? Who or what controls how we act? What controls the decisions we make? So this morning we need to ask ourselves an up an upfront and very blunt question. Is it the Holy Spirit that, that is in control of, of our lives? Or is it our sin? What is influencing us? We must walk in step with the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that must be exercising control within us so we then can be self-controlled. Athletes must, must exercise self-control to, to receive a perishable wreath. That's what they do. Constantly training for their next game, their, their next competition, for, 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 for an imperishable crown, wreath, trophy. And the word wreath refers to a crown that, that would be worn as a symbol of victory. Also, a wreath was worn as the sign of a conqueror, someone who had succeeded. But what Paul is saying here is if we do this for something that will fade away, rot or decompose, or just gather dust, how much more should, be, should we be willing and dedicated to do this for something that will never fade away? Sometimes practicing self-control can be painful. Sometimes it can be emotionally painful, physically painful, not, not very enjoyable at all. Because you see, it requires us to give something that, to give up something that we want short term. It requires us to give up something, to gain something that we want much more long term. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we grow to be more self-controlled? How do we grow to be more spirit-controlled? In verse 26, Paul said, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. How many of us feel aimless at times? Do, do any of us feel like we're just going through the motions? That we're running around and we're so busy? We're so busy and we're constantly on the go, constantly moving going from one place to, to another. 
Where is our busyness taking us? Could our constant busyness be running us aimlessly? And when Paul talks about running aimlessly or boxing as one is beating the air, there must be a purpose in which we do. What we do must have purpose. Paul's life had purpose. Paul's life is organized. It's, it, it's arranged and oriented toward getting the prize he desired because he was excited about his eternal reward. He was excited about talking about it, telling others about it. Verse 27 says, But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Paul sees himself as the herald of the games, you know. You know, and they announce the rules. You know, he sees himself, well, <laughs> kind of like a modern-day referee. But also, he sees himself as also a participant. Paul is telling others, and even us today, the rules of the game. How we are to live. But also, he's telling us that he needs to follow those rules himself. You see, sin dwells in all of us. Sin dwells in all of us because none of us, in, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. But we still have to control our actions. We are in full control over our decisions and the choices we make. God gives us free will. We are in full control of our decisions. And being a Christian is not about simply managing our behavior each and every day. What makes us Christians is that we are transformed. There's that word again, transformed from the inside out. And what that requires us to do is to put to death the sin that is within us by denying that sin. At the same time, per se, denying ourselves. Romans 6, 12 through 13 tells us, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. We do not serve our old master. Our sin is our old master. We, we don't serve our sin anymore. We have a new master because we are living under a new covenant. We live under the influence of the Holy Spirit that was given to us from Jesus because of what he's done for us. Romans eight thirteen tells us, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. By having self-control, it means that we are exercising control over our desires, over our sin that is within us. We're telling it no. We are showing a kind of discipline that, that shows that we are no longer slaves to it. Self-control and discipline. What separates Christians from non-Christians besides the blood of Jesus is that Christians live a persistent life of self-control. It's not, it's not a life to achieve perfection. 
We will never achieve perfection while we're alive. But we must live in such a way that the world sees Christ in us. That the world sees how Christ has transformed us to be an example for others. And to do that, our relationship with Christ must be persistent. The third strategy this morning that that will strengthen our relationship with Jesus is our relationship with Christ must thrive on perseverance. Perseverance. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 in, in our text tells us, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The the Apostle Paul did not want to disqualify himself. He did not want to be disqualified. And he did not want the people of Corinth to be disqualified. Jesus does not want us to be disqualified. That's why he did what he did. In the wild world of sports, for an athlete to be disqualified, it brought shame on them it brings shame on their team and, and, and even shame to their country. And athletes can disqualify themselves by cheating and even being dishonest. And football players here the past few years and, uh, uh, can even disqualify themselves regarding these helmet-to-helmet hits, also known as targeting. Now, um, and I'm sure we have seen... Um, Players, and and not just uh, college, but professional football as well, this happens almost every game. And um, I know this is a very controversial rule, and I'm not up here to, to, to debate this rule. But what happens when a player is flagged or penalized for targeting, they are disqualified, and they are removed from the game. I'm talking about, I'm talking about disqualifications. When athletes are disqualified, they lose rewards, honors, and, and can even lose futures in, in, in their Hall of Fame in, in their particular sport. And I even read that athletes in ancient Greece and Rome could, could even lose their citizenship rights if, if, if they came home and, and were disqualified. See, Paul does not want that for us. He wants us to persevere in glory so that we not so we will not be disqualified. But you see, he's talking a lot more about losing, a, a whole lot more than just losing a reward, or losing a game. He's talking about losing citizenship, and not citizenship as, as Americans, but citizenship in heaven. And if we are to look in all the places where disqualification is used, it's actually referring to people who do not believe, who have been disqualified from, from inheriting the kingdom of God, who at the end of the day or their lives were not saved, but will be turned away. How heartbreaking and devastating that that would be to hear Jesus say, away from me, I know you not. How devastating. What is important to remember here is that there is absolutely no one. There is no one who can take our salvation away from us. 
The devil's not strong enough to reach up in Jesus' hand and snatch us out of it. He's not strong enough to do that. The devil's limited. I'm thankful for that. He's limited. The point that, that Paul is making here is he wants us to remain persistent. We have free will and we need to remain persistent. He wants, he, he wants us, just like him, to keep our eyes on the prize that he too is trying to achieve. Isn't that our goal as Christians? Isn't that the prize that we each want the most? Eternity in heaven? Tony Dungy, a former uh, professional football coach, and uh, I've always been a big fan of Tony Dungy. Not just because he coached my team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for a time, but, uh, and also he, he went on and coached the Indianapolis Colts and coached them to a Super Bowl, and I was very proud, proud of him for that. But I've, also, I've always admired uh, Tony Dungy for his faith. And he was quoted saying this, I love coaching football, and winning a Super Bowl was a goal I've had for a long time. But it, was, but it was never been my pursuit in life. My purpose in life is simply to glorify God. You have to be, we have to be careful that we don't let the pursuit of our life's goals, no matter how important they seem, cause us to lose sight of our purpose. I coach football, but the good I can do to glorify God along the way is my real purpose. We are not justified by the work we do. That's not going to save us. We are justified only through Jesus because of Jesus. We are to live lives that mirror that saving grace. We are to live a transformed life and we are to live in a way that validates and confirms not like we're living life aimlessly. Paul does not want us to have a dead faith. Paul is telling us that we must have an active faith. And he's telling the people of Corinth to have this active faith, just like he is telling us, the, the Columbia Christian Church, the same thing this morning. And to keep an active faith, our relationship with Christ must be pursued. It's got to be chased. It must be persistent, and it must thrive on perseverance. As Christians, our goal, once again, is, is to be with Jesus. Christ, once again, is our ultimate goal. That, that's what we want the most, isn't it? We must live our lives as people in constant training to attain that goal, to reach that goal. We never should decrease the goal, but we must increase our effort. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today. We're not perfect. We're broken. We need you. We need you in our lives. 
Father God, help us to pursue a relationship with Jesus. Help us to pursue him in, in, in such a way that, uh, that, the, uh, that others see it in us. Help us to be persistent in that pursuit. And, and may we persevere through whatever life throws at us. May we persevere so once again others can see you in us. Help us to live a life of purpose. And whatever work we do, whatever activity we are involved in, as we use the talents that you have given us, my prayer this morning, Father, is we are using them to glorify you. So others can see how a, a wonderful and awesome God you are. Help us to focus on you, dear Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a few moments of silent meditation as uh, Dwayne plays, as he uses his talents. Let's focus on ways right now, and, and let's even pray for ways that God can use us this week to, uh, to not just glorify him, but so others can see Christ in us.